Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. very exciting today, uh, having the Battersea site going on over in Clapham Junction, and um, we are just saying as we are getting ready, it feels like all the kids are, are running, <laughs> running the show here, which is fun. And, um, and today I have the great privilege of, um, of sharing about the gift of sacrifice. And, um, and I just want to share with you a little bit about my story in um, becoming, like, going from being a, a nominal Christian um, to being, like, a real disciple of Jesus. And uh, so I'm going to be reading mainly from Matthew 16 to 24 today. I'm just going to read that out. So, uh, and then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone, if, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profits a man if he gains his soul, if he he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? So I'm just going to open in prayer. I know we've already prayed, but just after reading that scripture... So Jesus, I just pray that you would just just come and teach us about this scripture today. Lord, would you just open our hearts to hear what you have to say? God, would we would we know you more when we leave this place than we do right now? Yeah, thank you, God, that your gospel is inclusive, that everyone gets to be a part of it. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so about uh, 15 years ago, I was sitting in church, and um, I'll never forget where I was sitting. I think it must have been like Mission Sunday. Um, we used to do back, that back in the day, and it would be like the most boring Sunday because you'd hear all these stories about these people. It wasn't really re- relevant to where you are at if you were just a Sunday Christian like me. And um, anyway, this guy starts talking, he starts talking about this analogy about this chicken and this pig. And um, I'm going to share that with you this morning. And uh, so (laughs) anyway, so there is a chicken and a pig and they're walking down the road. And let's just say for the sake of the story that they're both Christians. And um, they walk past this guy who is homeless on the street and he doesn't have anything to eat. And the pig says to the chicken, we should really like stop and and find some food for this guy. And, um, And the chicken's like, that's a great idea. This is a great idea. And he's like, actually, I've just had an idea. How about we give him bacon and eggs? And the pig is like, well, that's okay for you to say because for you... That's only a partial sacrifice, but for me, I have to lay down my life to become that bacon. And anyway, 
this, this guy who was sharing um, this, this story said, and so there are two kinds of Christians. There are Christians who, um, who have a normal life and they tithe and that's, their, and that's their egg that they're giving away, their partial sacrifice. And then there are Christians who um, go and build huts in Africa and, you know, really lay down their lives for the gospel. And I remember going home that day and saying to my boyfriend at the time, um, do you think that we're chickens or are we pigs? And, um, and I didn't have my own identity at the time, so I was like, what are we? And um, anyway, and he was like, George, we are chickens. He was like, you would not survive in Africa. <laughs> and, um, you know, you can't take your hair dry there. And anyway, and I, one of my biggest fears um, growing up was not having enough because I'd grown up in a really poor home. And um, so it suited me just fine to be a chicken. And, um, and so I went about my life and, um, and my, my goal was to be a successful chicken and to give my part, to do my partial sacrifice, give that into the, into the kingdom. And... Um, yeah, so I, I was a real estate agent for six years. I, um, I had a great career. I got to tell people about Jesus, you know, just every now and then. And um, like when they said, oh, so what did you, on the, you do on the weekend? And I'd be like, oh, I went to church. And that would be like my thing. That would be me sharing the gospel. And, um, you know, I had a lovely car and had a beautiful house, um, had amazing linen and um, <laughs> anyway, um, and and I and it was funny because every time I would I would achieve something like I would get that new car or I would get that amazing lace embroidered linen, um, like there would be this empty feeling, like that didn't that didn't feel something in me, and um, and it wouldn't matter. And it was all about the hunt for me. The kill was boring. You know, like, I'd be, I'd be striving to, like, to get this stuff and to be at the top of the, top of the sales um, board at work. And, but then there'd always be a new month where you'd have to start again. And there'd always be a later model of the car that came out. There'd always be another house um, that had a better view than mine. And, um, you know, that was just, there was something in me that was, um, that was, that was empty and I didn't feel like I could feel it at all. And um, one day, I got this phone call from a friend of mine from church. And uh, he, was, he was definitely a pig. He was uh, out there being an entrepreneur, you know, spreading the, spreading the good news of the gospel. And he called me and he said, um, George, I've, I've written this book. And I knew about his book because he was like one of those people who like talks about what he's doing all the time. Love those people. And um, anyway, and he was just like, so I, um, I, have, uh, I have to publish this book and I don't have the money for it. And he told me how much money he needed and it was two-thirds of my savings account. And he said to me, um, and I prayed about who to call and, and God said to call you. <laughs> And I was like, okay, yeah, look, I'm going to pray about it and, um, like, pray about how I'm going to, like, ignore you uh, for the next year. No, so I got off the phone and, um, and I was just like, hell no, like, I am not giving that guy that money. And I went into work the next day 
and there was um, just going about my day normally and there was this little black beetle on my desk and it had its legs up in the air and it was going like this and like I worked in a concrete metropolis like there was no environment for there to be a black beetle and um, anyway, I was like, oh, that's strange. And I, I got the beetle and, you know, threw it out onto the, onto the road for it to live its life. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I got to work the next day and the same thing. There was another black beetle on my desk and it was on its back and it was going like this in the air. And I was just like, is there a nest? Is there a nest of black beetles? Like, what is this about? Anyway... Um, I did not think anything unusual was, like, I thought the beetle was unusual, but didn't realise that God was a part of what was going on. <laughs> the third day, God always works in threes. I, I feel like it takes me three times to be able to go, ah, this is his speaking. Third day, I get into work, and there's a black beetle on my desk, and it's going like this. And God says to me, like, immediately, Georgia, I'm, I'm speaking to you. And I just stopped and I was like, Lord, what are you saying? And he was like, this beetle is Eric and I want you to put him on his feet. I want you to pay for his book. And immediately, like when your creator speaks to you, there's no question. There's no, I, I felt there's something that I just never felt before, that I had an opportunity to partner with something that was greater than my life, greater than my comfort, greater than the plan that I had. And um, so then I got to be the hero, <laughs> calling up Eric and saying, you know, I'd love to pay for your book. And, and that, that experience really shifted something in me. It was, um, it was, I'd never given sacrificially before to the point where I felt it. I had never given... Um, to further the kingdom in a in a real in a real way, and um, a few weeks after that, I was lying on the couch after after work, and God came and He encountered me. I was just I just had my eyes closed and I just saw a um, a picture of a net um, next to next to the the couch and it was empty, and He said, Georgia. All of, the, all of the work that you're doing, you're not catching anything that's eternal. Like your, your net is empty. And he said, but if, you, if you'll come and follow me, then you'll have a full net. And he just showed me um, this picture of the net just going to the other side and being full of fish. And he just said, I want to make you a fisher of men. And um, I grew up as a pastor's kid. And my, the definition of my life failing would have looked like having no money and being in ministry. <laughs> and so I was weeping. Like I was just just weeping because there was something in me that connected to what God was saying. And I knew that that was the life. I knew that what he was saying was the real thing. But I was weeping because I knew I'd have to let go. I knew that I'd have to let go. And... Um, Anyway, so I had, I had my Bible next to me and I just thought, look, you know, I've just, 
I may not have heard right, you know, that may have just all been me. So I'm just going to open my Bible randomly and just see if God speaks to me. And my, my Bible opened to Acts 2.45, which says, and the believers sold all of their possessions. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not kidding you. For the next month, I just went up to any Bible I could find. I'd go to someone's house and I'd just open the Bible and it would open to Acts 2.45 and the believers sold all their possessions. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> I hear the call of the Lord. <laughs> um, <laughs> So that Matthew 16, 24, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Everyone goes on a different journey to becoming a disciple. And I think that um, to giving, giving your heart to Jesus is that is the gateway. And I, um, I'd been a Christian my whole life, but I'd never followed him. I'd always had my own agenda. And I think um, through trying to, trying to hold on to, to what made me feel safe was actually hindering me from knowing this amazing God. So in the, next, um, in the next three months, I sold everything that I owned and I moved to America, which was a huge deal because I'd never left the country before. And um, I became, yeah, I went to a Bible college there and I literally had nothing. I slept on the floor for a year. I was sharing my room with another girl. Um, we had nothing all three of us who are living together, we ate pasta and broccoli every month, every night for six months. And I've never been so rich in my whole life. I have never been so rich. Letting go of, of the linen and the cars and the, and the nice house was the best thing that could have ever have happened to me. And it was, it was the greatest promotion I'd ever received. And I, and I found the true life the true life that doesn't hold you, that isn't full of anxiety, that isn't full of... Um, it, it wasn't dependent on me getting it right. It was dependent on me serving, on me letting go. That part of that scripture that says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Like that... That is challenging. That's probably the greatest challenge of this faith. And I just want to—I just want to go into into what that actually means. So, in in the Greek, there are two words for cross, and one of them is um, the upright stake, which is called storos, and the other one is called patabulum, which is the the cross that goes, is the um, the piece that co- that goes across. And whenever, because in English it's always transferred as cross, but in the Greek it has a different meaning. And the storos meaning is that is when Jesus was nailed to the cross, they used that word storos, which is the upright stake. And that is where all of the, all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the, um, 
all of the, the sickness, death, everything, Jesus took that on that part of the cross. But when he says, take up your cross and follow me, he's talking about this other part of the cross. And when that is, when that is um, translated into the English, it actually says persecution. So what that, what that scripture is saying is, if anyone would come after me, let him deny, deny himself, take up his persecution and follow me. There is something um, about when someone shares their suffering with you, which is a great privilege, because you can share your mountaintop moments with, with anyone, um, but when someone actually lets you in to their suffering, that is the greatest sign of, of trust. And, um, and God shared, Jesus shared that cross with us. And he hasn't asked us to carry anything else apart from persecution. He hasn't asked us to carry sickness. He hasn't asked us to carry guilt or shame or, um, or death. He's taken all. And he's left us with this great, with this great privilege of, of picking up our cross, picking up our persecution and following him. And I think that um, persecution, we often associate that with the church in the East who are, um, who are facing losing their lives for the gospel. But there is a persecution in the West as well. And it takes us dying to the fear of man to pick up that cross. And um, I know that, that when, I, when I gave up my career, when I, it was so countercultural, people thought I was crazy. You know, they, it was so not what people, people made all these judgments of me, but I knew that that was what I was stepping into. I had to, it didn't matter what people thought because I had to follow what God had given me to do. And... Um, I want to just just share a story of what it looks like to take up that cross on a daily basis. Um, so when I was so before I worked here, I was working at the Shard, and there was this one night where um, a group of my colleagues and I we all went out to a comedy club, which is like totally not my style. Um, but I was like, you know, just it's good to to make friends and be invested. And anyway, so there's about sort of six of us who went out to this comedy club, and um, all the acts were were fairly uh, fairly average. And um, this <laughs> at the at the 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 end of the night, this guy got up, and um, and he was you could just tell there was a real darkness about him, and he was starting to antagonise the audience, trying to trying to get people. Um, hooked in, like saying, you know, is it anyone's birthday here t tonight? And then, you know, embarrassing that person. And anyway, then there was this moment where he said, are there any Christians in here? And the place was silent. And all I could think of was, I am the only Christian in this place. I just thought, I'm the only Christian in this place. And it was, this guy was so intimidating, I felt like I had a gun up to my head saying, do you believe in Jesus? And he kept on baiting the crowd. And he was like, 
there's surely there's going to be one person in here. There's going to be one person who's Christian. And I just, I just looked at my work colleagues and I said, I'm really sorry about this. And the guy, <laughs> the guy sitting next to me was like, Georgia, he's going to crucify you. And I'm like, interesting choice of words there. <laughs> and anyway, and I just, I put up my hand and I was just like, I'm a Christian. And um, anyway, the whole, like, you know, just every eye just becomes on you in the room. And all of my work colleagues just, like, slouched down into their chairs. And the guy sitting next to me is just like, oh. And um, anyway, he's just like, oh, you're the Christian. Oh, it's taken you long enough to say that you're a Christian. And um, starts baiting me with all this stuff. And then he says, so tell me, um, are you Catholic or Protestant? And I knew this was his hook into his joke. And I'm like, there ain't any way I'm going to answer that question. And so I just said, I just love Jesus. And, um, and then he said, yeah, you love Jesus, but you're either Catholic or Protestant. And I just, my heart was just beating. And I just thought, I just, whatever I do, I just can't answer that question. And so I just said, I don't know, because I'm Australian. <laughs> and... <laughs> And honestly, it got the biggest laugh for the whole night. And this guy was completely, he was completely, um, like, did not know what to say. And he kept on trying to come back to me, but the crowd were then on my side. And so then I just started throwing this stuff back to him. And then he said to me, oh, I can't do this joke. You're too positive. And just went and moved on. And my work colleagues at the end were like, we're with her, we're with the Christian. And all these, all these people were coming up to me like, oh my gosh, you were the funniest part of the night and all this sort of thing. Anyway, that is a really good example of what can happen when you face persecution. Um, <laughs> doesn't always work out that way. And I honestly, honestly, when I was answering that guy, I thought this is just the moment that I just take a bullet for my faith. But what's incredible is when we step out, when we step off the boat, that's when God really shows up. And, um, and that opened up so many conversations with me and my work colleagues. And um, the guy sitting next to me was like, I'm so glad that you didn't get into that religious debate. And just for him to even know that it was a religious debate was amazing. Um, and yeah, it was just, it ended up just being, being amazing. And I'm sharing this story with you because I, I want you all to know this amazing truth that we all get to be pigs. <laughs> like, I, I, I felt so excluded that day when I sat in my church and I had to choose between being a boring Christian who just tithes or going to Africa and building huts because I didn't feel like I could see myself in either of those things. And I mean, bless the people who do that. That's great. Um, but I, I want to just invite you into the truth that we all get to partner with this sacrifice. We all get to, um, we all get to face persecution, which is the greatest honour. It's such an honour. And, um, and I just think that there is, there is so much more to this life than just doing our jobs and coming to church on Sunday. And God has a seven-day-of-the-week plan for us. And, um, and I just want to 
invite you all into that. And it doesn't matter if you have a really sensitive job where you have to be really politically correct or if you're a stay-at-home mum. God can still use you, whether it's, whether it's t- giving up your seat on the tube, whether it's, um, whether it's blessing someone who you get a coffee from in a shop. Like, God will use you. You are not disqualified. There is, there is no part of your life that disqualifies you from being a disciple of Christ. And uh, I've written down something really intense here, and I may as well, I may as well say it. <laughs> so um, I think that often the idea of Christianity is that everything's going to work out for us, that we're not going to face any trial. But literally the only guarantee is that we will have trials in this life, but God will be with us. And we are not serving a white picket fence gospel where, you, where we get to worship a lifestyle of comfort and pleasure where everything works out for us because we're a believer. That is not what we signed up for when we gave our hearts to Jesus. Praise God. Praise God that there is more, that there is, that there, that there is a bigger reason to live because I've lived that life of the white picket fence and it was empty. It was so empty. Praise God there is more. In John 8, 31 to 32, it says, Jesus said to them, You are truly my disciples if you live as I tell you to, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that word know is abide. And just some, the, the breakdown of abide is to obey, observe, follow, keep, hold on to, conform to, adhere, stick to, Stand by, act in accordance with, uphold, pay attention to, and respect. Becoming one with the truth, that is what sets us free. It's not just the truth will set you free. It's when you get real with truth and you hold on to it and you say, I'm doing life with you. And even when the circumstances say that this isn't right, I'm going to hold on to that truth. I'm going to wrestle with it. That is the gateway to our freedom. If I can get the band to come up. I just also want to say that sacrifice is different to suffering. And living a sacrificial life doesn't mean giving up what you love and, and, and doing good things. It's so much more than that. It's, it's dying to self, but partnering with the bigger picture of what God has. It's not a, we're not going to get to heaven and, God, and say, oh, God, I went to Africa and I built all of these huts. And he'll be like, but Georgia, like, I asked you to go and be a receptionist at this place. You know, it's, it's not about doing good things. It's about partnering with what he's doing in a sacrificial way. Um, this time of the year is a real time of reflection. And, um, and for me, I find this time of the year actually a little bit difficult um, because...
because my dad died on New Year's Day. And um, on New Year's Day, I was just walking around listening to some music that we used to listen to as kids. And like the music that we listened to as kids wasn't like normal, normal children music. When I was sick, my, when I was six, my, my favorite song was It's Your Blood. <laughs> But I, I found this song um, from the 80s called um, For the Sake of the Call, um, which Steve Curtis Chapman wrote. <laughs> and I just want to read it out to you. Nobody stood and applauded them. So they, they knew from the start that this road would not lead to fame. All they really knew for sure was Jesus had called to them. He said, come follow me, and they came. With reckless abandon, they came. Empty, empty nets lying there at the water's edge told a story that few could believe and none could explain. How some crazy fishermen agreed to go where Jesus went with no thought of what they would gain. For Jesus had called them by name, and they answered, We will abandon it all for the sake of the call. No other reason at all but the sake of the call. Wholly devoted to live and to die for the sake of the call. Not for the sake of a creed or a cause. Not for a dream or a promise. Simply because it is Jesus who called. And if we believe, we'll obey. It's not for the white picket fence and the 2.3 kids and the nice car that you follow this God. Sacrifice has no agenda. It's simply a response to the one who made us. But what's incredible is we get the greatest gift out of it. I used to, I used to want to change the world. That was, my, that was my dream, that I didn't care what I was doing, that as long as I changed the world. And in the last few years, <laughs> of <laughs> struggle, I've realized that it's not about me changing the world. If my life can just be a sacrifice 
could just be a living sacrifice before my God, then I'm a rich woman. If there is no mark on this world when I leave it, but my God knows that I loved him and that I served him. That that is enough. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Guys, we've got the best deal. And um, we're going to go into a time of communion. So if the hospitality team would just like to come forward. If there is an emptiness in your life that is continuously not fulfilled, then I want to invite you today as you come and take communion to come and pick up this cross of sacrifice. I can't believe that we get to do this, that we get to live this life that is so rich and so free and so fulfilled. And as you come in and take communion, I just want to encourage you to ask that question. Is my life costing me? Can you feel the cost in your life for this gospel? I love the beginning of the year and I, 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 love, I love communion because it's like, a, it's like a recalibration of our hearts. It's like checking in and saying, God, where can, I, where can I come closer to you? Where can I partner with you? Where can I join myself more deeply with you? I'm just going to pray. God, thank you so much that we get to co-labor with you.
thank you that even though we have trials, that you have made us to overcome. Thank you that you are the God that overcomes. And there is nothing that is too big for you. Thank you that when you died on the cross, you didn't leave us out. Thank you that we get to be a part of it too. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.